أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد أشرف الخلق وسيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت تجعل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا سهلا رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم أخرجنا من ظلمات الوهم إلى نور الفهم وأكرمنا بمعرفة العلم وزين أخلاقنا بالحلم يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم يا ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم اغفر لنا ما قدمنا وما أخرنا وما أسررنا وما أعلنا وما أسرفنا وما أنتعنوا به منا اللهم اختم لنا بخاتمة الإيمان وادخلنا الجنة بسلام مع النبيين والصديقين والشهداء والصالحين وحسنا أولئك رفيقا اللهم بلغنا رمضان اللهم بلغنا رمضان اللهم بلغنا رمضان اللهم عنا على صيامه وقيامه على الوجه الذي يرضيك عنا واكتبنا فيه من عتقائك من النار اللهم اعتق رقابنا ورقاب آبائنا وأمهاتنا وإخواننا وأخواتنا وأزواجنا وذرياتنا من النار وادخلنا الجنة مع الأبرار اللهم بارك لنا في أعمالنا وأعمالنا وأرزاقنا وأهلنا وذوينا وأحبابنا واجعلنا من كل ضيق مخرج ومن كل هم فرج واجعلنا من بعد العسر يسرى اللهم أصلح أحوالنا وأحوال المسلمين والمسلمات في كل مكان أنت به عليم فكالكرب عن كل مكروب من أمة محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم يا رب العالمين اللهم يا ربنا إنا نسألك الفرج والنصر القريب لإخواننا في غزة وفي فلسطين اللهم انصرهم نصرا عزيزا مؤزرا انصرهم على عدوك وعدوهم اللهم عليك ممن ظلمهم اللهم عليك ممن اعتدى عليهم وانتهاك حرماتهم يا رب العالمين اللهم اجعل هذا هذا الرمضان رمضان فتح ونصر وتمكين لأمة محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ولي أمورنا خيارنا ولا تولي أمورنا شرارنا ولا تسلط علينا بذنوبنا من لا يخافك ولا يرحمنا اللهم اختم لنا بخير أجمعين والحقنا بالصالحين واجعلنا من ورثة جناتك جنات النعيم يا أرحم الراحمين آمين آمين وأخذ عن الحمد لله رب العالمين أما بعد this class is scheduled to be the last in-person class for our fiqh of salah course and uh, it's going to be part two of the funeral prayers. Uh, last week we went over part one, and we said there's one virtual recording that's set to be delivered, inshallah, about the fear prayers and about the rain prayers, bi'ithnillah. Uh, next Tuesday, uh, we are supposed to be meeting, and inshallah, in next Tuesday's class, I will formally go over ahkam al-siyam in whatever the time allows, inshallah, because Ramadan's right around the corner. Um, so we'll go over the fiqh of fasting next Tuesday, inshallah. Same class time, bi'ithnillahi uh, ta'ala. And uh, on, on Friday, that's when we're going to go. It's going uh, to be more of an uh, open session, more of a discussion uh, on Friday where you, you know, we'll be engaging uh, whatever is presented to us in terms of the rulings about Ramadan. But next Tuesday will be a formal class about fiqh of fasting where we'll, I'll try to go in as much detail as I can, bi'ithnillah. Um, last week we went over um, uh, the etiquette of um, uh, being in the presence of the mayit of, uh, or the person when they're on their deathbed, adab al ihtidar And then we, said, we went over some of the adab and the etiquette that are relating to um, the, the, the mayyit as soon as he passes away. What are the things that are to be done? Today we're supposed to go over ghasl al-mayyit, washing the deceased, takfin, um, shrouding the deceased, and um, the, the actual prayers and the burial, bi'ithnillah. Uh, may Allah put barakah in the time. Now, when we're, the first of these subjects that I'm going to go over is washing the deceased. 
Washing the deceased is very important to note the following. There are three categories when it comes to washing the deceased. One category is uh, those who it is obligatory upon us from their rights to wash them. That's one category. Um, uh, so three ahkam here. One of them is wujub. And that's for someone who is a Muslim who passes away. And the only exclusion to this is the shaheed. And we're going to discuss the types of shahada, the types of martyrdom in class today. This is a particular type of shaheed. Shaheed fi ma'arakat al-kuffar who dies because of the fighting. Dies because of the fighting. So that's the first category of an exception. Uh, so th th this category is wujub, right? Um, it's obligatory to wash a Muslim's body unless they are a martyr that meets specific criteria. One, and we'll go over that. And two is um, uh, a stillborn uh, or a miscarriage. Uh, that with the, that's also according to certain criteria. Who is the, the sikht or the miscarriage that we do not wash? Now we're talking about washing. We're not talking about praying. There's two hukums here, right? There's washing and then there's praying upon. The first of these rulings is washing. The miscarriage would not be washed unless it begins to carry the form of a human being. Then it would be washed. Would it be prayed upon? We'll get to that subject. It's a different subject, right? So, so that's the first category, wujub. It is obligatory to wash a Muslim, unless they're from those two categories. The second category is jawaz. Who are those we are allowed to wash, but we are not required to wash? Someone who is non-Muslim can be washed. But there's no obligation to wash them the way we wash. Because they don't adhere to the rulings of our deen. They don't adhere to the rulings of our deen. And hence, uh, we would not need to abide by the, uh, the rights of the deceased as it, is in, um, um, as it is in fiqh. But is it allowable to wash a, a, a deceased who's non-Muslim? No problem. That's fine. Uh, of course, praying upon them, of course not. That would not be allowable. Uh, so that's, this is the second category. Ja'iz for lil-kafir wa lil-siqt alladhi lam yadhar fihi mabda'u khalqi adami. And also for the miscarriage, that's very early on. Still hasn't begun to take form of the human being. All right? Um, uh, that's the second category. The third category is hurma. When is it haram? Well, that's the subject of the shaheed. It is haram to wash the body of the shaheed if they meet the criteria uh, that we're going to be talking about. Uh, so Sister Mary, if you could please just zakallah khair. Um, so, so that's this is the intro to the subject of ghusl. When it comes to ghusl, <coughs> we have a minimum and then we have a full sunnah. Aqallil ghusl. What is that? This is very easy. The minimum of what's needed for ghusl is what? Ta'meemul badan bil It's very, very straightforward, very easy. Full body wash, no details. This is the minimum. If this is done, ta'meemul badan bil then this is sufficient. 
So imagine if we have a situation where someone is buried and the one washing had no idea that there's certain adab for ghusl. Are we going to exhume the body and wash it again? Of course not. That's it. The minimum was given. That's it. It's done. The, you know, we've performed the, 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 the least of what's needed for ghusl. All right. What is the maximum of ghusl? If you have your book, then this is something that he details on page 103. He gives you the details. He says, in explaining those details, وَيُغَسَّلُ الْمَيِّتِ وِتْرًا وَيَكُونُ فِي أَوَّلِ غُسْلِهِ سِدْرٌ وَفِي آخِرِهِ شَيْءٌ مِّنْ كَافُورٌ This is from Matan Abi Shuja'ah. He says, the deceased is washed an odd number of times. Then, in the past, to provide pleasant smell and also to preserve the body, they would add certain things in the wash. So that it could make the body extra clean and extra preserved until it's time to bury it, right? With good smells. So here he says, um, this is, they used to use the lot tree in the first washing and a bit of camphor, kafur, in the last. All right, this is what he says in the metan. Then he says, the bare minimum washing involves removing all traces of filth from the body and then washing the entire body one single time. This is the minimum. But it is best to wash it at least three times. Witr, right? Do it three times. Sticking to an odd number of times, right? The lot tree is used in the first washing since it enhances the water's ability to remove the filth. So it makes it extra clean. Kafur is used uh, in the final washing. So the first washing is having sidr, the last one. Where is this taken from? It's taken from the hadith of the Prophet The last one would have kafur. In the final wash, since it helps cover up any odors that occur as the body starts to change, right? SubhanAllah, human being. Um, if, the bur if the burial does not happen soon, then the body will begin to lose its freshness, right? When lot tree or camphor are not available, substances that achieve their purpose can be used instead. Whatever is added to the water must be done in small enough amounts that it does not remove the water from being pure and purifying. And of course, if this is in the first wash, the second wash would be pure water, right? And then the third wash would be with um, kafur. If we're going to do more than that, we could wash away the effects of that. The whole point is this, we need to do proper ghusl. How is that? It needs to be at least one wash with pure enough water that it could remove najasa and it could remove... Uh, any traces of filth. So this, uh, so it, it can't be water that's changed with, um, uh, with b by the amounts of kafur and sidr that are applied to it. All right. So now, when they go over this in detail, this is what they say. They say يُضَعُ الْمَيِّتِ عَلَى الْمُغْتَسَلِ وَيَكُونُ عَلَى لَوْحٍ فِيهِ ثُقُوبٌ لِأَلَّا يَعُودَ إِلَيْهِ الرَّشَاشِ. Normally, they would put the um, the uh, the deceased on a special type of metal bed that can take the water and the water would not splash on him and instead it would go down into the drainage and then ويكونوا في ثوب رقيق when someone's put on this um, uh, this the the, the wash the, the the bed that he's going to be washed in uh, it's he's supposed to be still be covered. 
the mayit has a right upon the one washing him. This person who's washing him needs to be of a certain characteristic and a certain quality. You cannot expose the awra and, um, and the private parts of the one who passed away unnecessarily. This person needs to stay covered. And he needs to be put on his back and, um, and, and his feet, if possible, the feet should be directed to the jiha and the direction of the qibla. Um, and uh, the place where he's washed should be an isolated place. Right? We need to conceal this deceased and honor him. Right? Uh, and then he says here, يَجْعَلُ الْغَاسِلِ عَلَى يَدِهِ الْيُسْرَى خِرْقَةً وَيَصُبُّ عَلَى الْمَيِّتِ مَاءً خَالِصًا مِنْ رَأْسِهِ إِلَى قَدَمَيْهِ This person who's washing is going to have a, a, a cloth or something of that sort to wash away the effects of the filth or to wipe away the effects of the filth and the other hand, the right hand, is going to be used to pour the water. So one hand to pour water, the other one to wipe down the deceased. And where do we start from? Just like we start in ghusl. Start from the head. مِنْ رَأْسِهِ إِلَىٰ قَدَمَيْهِ So this person who is wash, washing the deceased, he should rub. This is a sunnah, right? Sunnah, not required. Again, the only thing that's required is to wash the full body. That's it. But this is all from the sunnah and the etiquette. That he um, rubs the whole body with his hand. يُسْنَدْ الْغَاسِلْ Oh, sorry. يُسْنَدْ الْغَاسِلْ الْمَيِّتْ بِرِفْقِ فَيَجْعَلُ رُكْبَتَهُ مِنْ قَفَاءَ الْمَيِّتْ يُسْنِدُ بِهِمَا ظَهْرَهُ Alright, so, if of course, this is going to be a little different than the way we wash. But in the past, the way they would do it, they would sit the person up, and the, this person's back would be on the person's thigh. Now it's on a propped up table. It's going to be a little bit different. We would have other tools to keep this person propped up. And that's fine. The whole idea here is the back needs to be up. Why? So that we can remove any filth that's remaining in this person's body and hasn't emerged to the best of our ability. So and then he says here... Um, <coughs> Uh, uh, after he sits him up and he removes all of the filth on the body, he should press really hard down on the stomach. Really hard. As hard as he can. Multiple times. Because in this person's GI tract, there may be remnants of filth. And part of fully washing him is to remove all remnants of filth in his body. Right, so, so this is part of izalat al-awsakh. And after removing all filth, what do you do? Right? Um, after that, you do wudu for this person. You do wudu for this. So, so again, similarly to the way that we do ghusl, we start from washing the top, and then we wash the right side, and then the left from the front, and then the right side, then the left side from the back. Then after that, you After that, just similar to the normal ghusl that we do. You perform, and the person who's doing the ghusl is obviously going to have the intention of ghusl as they're doing this. So, um, 
So, uh, so th this person should do a full wudu. Should put water in the mouth and in the nose, um, uh, and uh, and he should not be excessive because the idea is you don't want to get water inside. You just want to get it to the area that you would do in wudu. And then after that, um, uh, in the last wash, he would have the camphor, and uh, then he would remove the effects of the camphor, because the camphor is only just to clean the body very, very well. right? So and that's if they're going to use that aslan. But again, this is... Uh, so who should do, be doing the washing? right? So here, now, how many times should you wash again? The options that we have is you should do it odd number of times. Three times, in this case, one of these times should be with Siddur, one of them should be with the camphor, and one of them should be with pure water. If you're going to do five, same thing, one of them with Siddur lot, and then the other one with camphor, and then three with the normal wash. So, But in any case, you should do it a witr, an odd number of times, and you should not be excessive with the water. Now, um, who should be washing the body? Now, uh, of course, الأولاه في غسل الرجل الرجال والأفقه منهم مقدم. Right now, if, who's the most deserving of washing a male? Another male, and of course, the one who has most knowledge and awareness of giving this deceased the right should be doing that um, instead of anyone else. This is in case that we have to choose between one person or another. Right. Um, uh, can a husband wash his wife or the wife wash the husband? The answer is yes. There's a difference of opinion about this. In the Shafi'i school, the answer is yes, no problem. The, the, woman, uh, the husband could wash the wife and the wife could wash the husband uh, according to the Shafi'i school. Um, but there is another opinion that's out there that says no. Um, so here, um, who is the most deserving from... Uh, the family to wash the deceased. What does he say here? In awla nasi bi ghaslil mayit, awlahum bi salati alayh. The one who is most deserving of praying upon him is the one who's most deserving of um, doing ghusl for him. Wahum al akrab fil akrab. Yaghsil al rajul al rajul wa taghsil mar'a al mar'a. And then after that, after that consideration, the gender consideration, the first person to have the right is the father for the son who is deceased, then the grandfather, right? If they don't want or can't, uh, or, or if they defer this right to someone else, that's fine. Who comes after the father and the grandfather? The son or the grandson. After the son or the grandson, who comes next? The brother or the nephew. The brother or the nephew. And then after the brother or the nephew, who comes the am, the uncle, or Ibn al-am, the cousin. Uh, so this is this order that you would uh, follow. Now, uh, when it comes to salah and the mayyit, there's differences of opinion about this among the madahib. But, um, uh, you know, if, in, in the Shafi'i school, if the deceased was to have a certain wasiyah, certain request or bequest for someone to pray upon him, then this should be considered, this should be followed. Others, they say, this is not necessary. Uh, rather, the imam would, uh, the, or the, the imam that is ratib, uh, the one who is uh, filling this position, would be 
superior to the one who was um, given the wasiyah to do the ghusl upon him. But it would be nice to, to be considerate of the deceased's request. If the deceased requested fulan or fulan or fulan, it, it would be, especially in a, in a matter like this, this would be recommended to be considered. Especially if the deceased wanted someone who was, so mathalan, maybe the family, um, uh, the, the direct family isn't as practicing. And the, the deceased wanted someone who was a person of ilm or salah, piety, to wash him. It would be prudent for the family to accept this wasiyah. It would be recommended for them to accept it, especially since it was their own father uh, or, or their own family member who had made it. And now, if, if we need more than one person to do ghusl for the mayyit, can we do that? But well, yes, of course, there's no problem. If the, if the person washing needs one aid or two aids, there's nothing prohibited in this at all. Has anyone here ever engaged in washing a deceased, a dead body? Raise your hand. Anyone here has ever engaged in washing? Maybe we have two, three, four people who raise their hands. It's a very spiritual experience. It's a very, very spiritual experience. It, you know, I know that some people, for them, it would be traumatic, it'd be horrific, they can't imagine it. If you get an opportunity to do it, do it, or help in doing it. Help in doing it. Sometimes, having someone who's a professional in doing it might be useful to, because they're so used to how to cut the clothing and the garments and how, what the tools to use, you can help them and assist them. But seeing the deceased as they are is a very, very big reminder of our ultimate masir. Every single one of us will be in that state where we can do nothing. Not even to wash something off our own body. This is, uh, this is a reality of this dunya. كُلُّ مَنْ عَلَيْهَا فَانَ وَجْهُ رَبِّكَ بِالْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ There's also a lot of videos. If this, if this explanation of it it's very similar to our normal ghusl. There's a lot of videos that show you the step-by-step -step process of ghusl that you could visualize and see. If explaining it in words is not enough, sometimes people do a workshop about this so that you could see it in front of your eyes. This is what we do first, this is what we do next, and this is how we do the shrouding and so on and so forth. It could be useful uh, to take a look at those videos to help you visualize uh, what is supposed to be done in washing the deceased. That is... غسل uh, الميت and that's the right that he has upon us it's a short section now the next one is about takfin shrouding and he says here in the book وَيُكَفَّنُ فِي ثَلَاثَةِ أَثْوَابٍ بِيضٍ لَيْسَ فِيهَا قَمِيصٌ وَلَا عِمَامَةٌ right the deceased is shrouded in three white garments which do not include a long shirt or a turban the bare minimum for shrouding is to use a single garment that covers the entire body. And of course, what comes to mind is there was one of the Sahaba who when he passed away, this was about um, Sayyidina Mus'ab ibn Umayr, if I remember correctly, he was someone who was muna'am, someone who had so much na'im and bliss, bliss and wealth and prosperity from this dunya. And when he came to pass away, they could not even find a full garment that would cover his full body. The, the garment that they had was something that when it would cover his top, it would expose his feet. And when it would cover his feet, it would expose his top. So here, there's a minimum. You don't need excessive amounts of shrouding. So the bare minimum for shrouding is to use a single a, a garment that covers the entire body. 
like a sheet. It is best to use a white shroud, best, not required, that covers the entire body and to use three of them. That's even better. When a male is buried with five garments, those garments should include three white shrouds, a long shirt, and a turban. So again, this is telling you the minimum of, of the sunnah, the full sunnah, three. But if you want to add to it a turban, and if you want to add to it something that covers the upper body, uh, turban, yani, some, some type of head covering. Now, generally speaking, when we shroud the deceased, we also cover the head. And if you've seen a shrouded person, you will see this. You'll see this, the whole body, including the head, except the face. The face is not covered. Um, uh, is, this is all covered in what you normally see today. Now, um, when a female is buried with five garments, those garments should include three white shrouds, a khimar, a head covering, that covers all of the hair thoroughly, that covers the shoulders and goes down to the fingers. So this khimar should cover the hair, the shoulders, and it should go all the way down to the, finger, uh, the fingers. Um, of course, the hands, they're crossed over when we do, um, uh, when we do uh, the shrouding. We put the right over the left, just as you would stand in salah. So the hands would not be at the side, they would be crossed over each other. Right? And, um, uh, and, and that's what it says. There's minimal detail here. What are the more details that we have in, um, uh, in, in terms of uh, shrouding? Now, what are the rights in terms of takfin? There's one right that's lillah, haqq lillah, and that is ma yasturul awra. فَيَخْتَلِفُ ذُكُورَةً وَأُنُوثَةً فَلَا يَجُوزُ إِسْقَاطُهُ وَإِنْ أَوْصَلْ مَيْتْ بِذَلِكَ there's, there's something that's a minimum, that's a right for Allah. And that is to at least cover the awra. The awra needs to be covered. And then the second one is حَقْ لِلْمَيْتْ A right for the deceased. And that is مَا يَسْتُرُ بَقِيَّةَ الْبَدَنْ مِنَ الْلِفَافَةِ الْأُولَى فَيَجُوزُ إِسْقَاطُهُ إِذَا أَوْصَ الْمَيِّتْ بِذَلِكَ عِنْدَ بْنِ حَجَرْ وَعِنْدَ الرَّمْلِ أَنَّهُ حَقٌ مُشْتَرَكٌ لِلَّهِ وَلِلْمَيِّتْ Alright, so now, what is the right for the deceased? A cloth that covers the whole body. So the minimum that we need to cover is the awrah. The cloth that covers the whole body is something that's a right for the deceased. If the deceased, for whatever reason, advised that he does not want this, would we consider this, according to Ibn Hajar, he says, yes, according to a Ramli, or their great Shafi'i scholars, he says, no, we need to cover at least the full body. At least the full body. And now, uh, he brings into that, he says, um, uh, and this is not going to be really applicable in our time. SubhanAllah, these things, are, are, you know, we have so much surplus now. Back in the day, they would need to think about where they're going to get this cloth from, right? Now, we get it by the roll. And you could throw out a roll or two or three. It's not going to affect. No one's going to think about these things. We have so much, right? But in the books of fiqh, they say there's haqq lil If this person died impoverished, and uh, it's going to cost more to add a second wrapping and a third wrapping, then the rights of the creditors is we're not going to add more. We're just going to do the bare minimum, the bare bones of what's needed for this person's decease. But this is not really practical for us now. Um, and uh, so that's, that's a third thing. That they mention. So they say, right. This is the minimum. A, 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 a full garment that covers the body. 
أكمل الكفن للرجل ثلاث لفائف بيض. The most complete thing you could do is three full body wraps. وللمرأة لفافتان وإزار وقميص وخمار. For the woman, it would be more clothing. What would it be? Two full body wraps. One wrapped for the bottom of the body, one wrapped for the upper part of the body, and then the khimar on top of that uh, to cover uh, the head and the shoulders, uh, the upper part of the body. Right. So this, these are the things. Um, uh, this, these are the things that. And then the other thing is that they mention how should you shroud a deceased. They said يُضَعُ قُطْنٌ مِنَ الْمَعَ الْحَنُوطِ عَلَى سَوَأَتَيِ الْمَيْتِ. Usually they would put. A cotton, a piece of cotton on the private parts. In case what? In case what? In case any filth still remains in the GI tract. If anything is going to come out later, we don't want the shrouding to become dirty. So what would they do? They would put uh, extra cotton on the private areas with a scent to cover um, any uh, foul odors that may come about if something was to come out. And um, uh, and the next thing that they say would be done after the washing is done, تبسطوا أحسن اللفائف وأوسعها, right? ويذر عليها الحنوط. We are going to put this hanut um, on and th- these things, these uh, body preserving as much as we can things on the inside of these um, shrouds to preserve the body. Until burial is complete. Alright? And after that, يُوضَعُ عَلَىٰ أَنْفِهِ وَخَرْقَيْ أُذُنَيْهِ وَفَمِهِ قُطٌ We're also going to put cotton by the mouth, by the nose, by the ears, because these are openings to the inside of the body for the same reason. In case anything was to come out, so that it does not go on these shrouds that have now been cleaned. So this is what they would normally do uh, when they would shroud the, the body, right? Now, um, uh, the next thing that he says, you're going to make the legs straight and you're going to put the right hand over the left. The way that you, the body is going to be like this, you're going to bring one side of the shroud like that, the other side like that. You would poke holes uh, into the shroud for the head region, right? So the head area, you're going to poke a hole into it. And you're also going to poke holes in the first. If you're putting multiple shrouds, you're going to poke holes from the side in the first of these shrouds to make it easy to maneuver the arms. And then you're going to put the second shroud and the third shroud on top of that on top of both arms anyway. Uh, and on top of, it's going to cover the whole body. Basically, when you're done, the only thing that's going to be showing from this deceased is the, is the, is the face. And then he says, after that, um, you're also going to tie certain knots on the deceased. Where are you going to tie these knots? You're going to tie it on the two sides of the shroud. And then you're also going to put one on top of the head, and you're going to put one by the shoulder area, one by the rear end from the center, يعني, and one by the knees, and one by the legs. These, these, these knots would be for what purpose? So that the shrouds do not become undone. 
when they're carrying the body. You got to think of this. Like, have any of you guys witnessed a burial overseas? Overseas in the Muslim countries? Any of you guys witnessed a burial? Raise your hand. Of course. Um, any guys witnessed burial? A few of you? It's a very different experience. Because you actually see the shrouding. Here, we don't see the shrouding. Here, they're in the wooden box. Because we're required by law. You can't just put the shrouds into the ground in our area. You're not allowed to do that. You can't do that. You can't just put the shrouds into the ground and that's it. You need to keep a box um, because this is, this is how, this is the graveyard's policy in this. Perhaps there may be some flexibility if it's a Muslim-owned graveyard, like the one that we have in uh, central Jersey. There may be some flexibility if it's a Muslim-owned graveyard. But if it's a graveyard where the Muslims only have a certain area, where, like, like we have, for example, in our community, we only have a certain area in the graveyard, we're going to need to follow the rules of, uh, of the owners of that, of, of that property. Um, so, so that's something to consider. The reason why they do these knots is so that when the people are carrying this person in the shrouds, they don't accident, accidentally undo it and part of the body gets exposed. So this is why these knots would be there. And these knots can be undone after the person is actually put into the grave. You can undo them. It's no problem. It's just to preserve the deceased in the shrouding. That's what's the whole purpose of these knots. Right? So it's a very practical guideline that they, see, they give here on how, um, uh, uh, how the shrouding uh, should, be, should be done. Uh, the, you know, so this is um, this is about the shrouding, and this is pretty much everything that they mention pertaining to it. And and now, of course, if if it, say if we don't have these materials that they're talking about, lot tree, camphor, hanult, all this stuff like that, if someone was to take musk and good sense and put it on the shroud, is there any problem with this? Of course, no. The whole idea is to preserve the the. The body from, uh, from bad odors. So it's completely fine if any other scents were used to preserve uh, the deceased at this point. Now, one thing that we didn't go over in the ghasl and takfin is what do we do with a shaheed, with a martyr? So first off, who is the martyr that is not washed? He says here, um, He says these following criteria need to be met in order for it to be prohibited. Why is it prohibited, Aslan? Because the shaheed that meets this criteria does not need you to wash him. Because this blood that has been gashed from the shaheed will be a source of great honor. On the day of judgment. Just as the one who dies in Hajj or Umrah in the libas of Ihram, we don't touch that libas of Ihram. We bury him in the libas. Why? Because it's a great honor on the day of judgment. The hadith says this person will be resurrected and he'll be doing talbiyah. Uh, saying, Labbaik Allahumma Labbaik. Now, the shaheed doesn't need our salah and he doesn't need our washing either. Why? Because this is the whole idea of shahada. Uh, martyrdom, what does shaheed come from? Shaheed comes from witness. Witness. Because this person is death 
is witnessed for by the angels. If they're a shaheed that is accepted by Allah Azza wa Jal. Who is it? First off, they need to die. Al-Mawtu Hal al-Qital. They need to die in the midst of, in the midst of the fighting. So say if someone was to be injured in a war and after six months of their injury, then they pass away. We're still going to give them the normal burial process because they didn't die in the fighting. Al-Mawtu Hal al-Qital. The second one is كونه قتال كفار It needs to be a battle with unbelievers. This is because that's the only way it would meet the definition of ma'raka and jihad that they're referring to in the books of fiqh. It is in the battle against the unbelievers. If it was in any other circumstance, like say for example someone dies from a tragic car accident or someone is killed by somebody um, because they were robbed in their gas station or in their home. No, no, no. That's not what we're talking about at all. Right? So, كَوْنُهُ بِسَبَبِ الْقِتَالِ The reason of this person's death, and this is an important one to pay attention to, the reason why this person's death is because of the fighting. Because they are engaging in fighting and they're dying in the process of that. And this is why um, you'll find that in, uh, you know, for the, first off, this whole hukum, this whole ruling that I'm telling you about is not agreed upon, by the way. It's the Shafi'i school and a few other schools. It's the opinion of the majority, as far as I know. Uh, the opinion of the majority say that the shaheed uh, of ma'raka is not prayed upon. However... What we see, there's another opinion, the Hanafi school, that says, no, you pray on the shaheed. There's no issue with that whatsoever. And that's why you see now our brothers and sisters who are being killed in their homes uh, and by these missiles in Gaza, uh, you find that they're doing janazah prayers on, on our brothers and sisters in Gaza. Why? Because if it doesn't fully meet that criteria, like imagine an innocent child or an innocent elderly person who was just sleeping in their home and then a bomb descended upon them. It doesn't meet this definition. That's why the normal salah, inshallah, they are a different type of shaheed. There's two types of shaheed, right? The shaheed that has this very particular definition, and then the shaheed who has this honored status of shaheed. Who, uh, that, that type of person, they have the honored status, but we still give them the normal burial. So that's why our brothers and sisters in Gaza, you see janazahs happening there uh, all, all the time. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be with them and, um, and give them victory insha'Allah. Uh, now, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ tells us about the types of shaheed. There's two main categories of shaheed. There is shaheed al-dunya wal-akhirah and shaheed al-akhirah. We have the martyr of this life and the next. That's the specific definition who has specific rulings. We don't do janazah. We don't do, uh, according to some scholars, we don't do janazah. We don't wash. We don't shroud, uh, we don't shroud the specific way we do. Um, and, uh, and we give them a special uh, honor in this. All right. So, uh, so here, um, uh, that's, that's the, or I should say, we don't wash and we don't pray on the person. We don't wash and we don't pray on the person. All right, so then we have shaheed al-akhirah, the shaheed in terms of status in the akhirah. Who are they? They are al-mat'oon, al-mabtoon, the, the shuhada'u khamsa, this is a hadith of the Prophet It mentions five categories, and they're actually not just five, there are more categories. Al-mat'oon, someone who is stabbed to death. Someone who is mabtoon, someone who dies due to an ailment. Some of them say, what does mabtoon mean? 
due to an internal illness, some type of internal illness uh, that led to their death. You know, historically, they would understand this as something relating to the stomach, but it's actually not limited to the stomach, right? So that's why some of them would include uh, cancer um, in this regard, or something like cancer, like a terminal illness like cancer. So al-mat'oonu wal-mabtoon, wal-gharik, someone who drowns to death. Sahibul al-hadm, someone who dies in a collapsed building. Um, and then al-shaheed fi sabilillah, the one, the other shaheed. There's another hadith that adds a few categories to it. Uh, the Prophet Sallallahu says, um, uh, the one who dies from burning is also a shaheed. Someone who's burned to death is a shaheed. Um, and we mentioned the collapsed building. Shahid, right? The, the woman who passes away due to pregnancy. This is another one, another category of shaheed. Someone, a woman who passes away due to complications in pregnancy is considered among the categories of uh, of uh, shuhada and the meaning behind all of these different types of shahada is the traumatic circumstances um, relating to all of these deaths uh, now some scholars like Ibn Hajar um, in his book Fath al-Bari he adds others al-ladigh someone who dies by being bit by an animal um, uh, and the, uh, someone who falls off of his ride and someone who falls off of a high building. Uh, and then he's, there's a quote, the beautiful quote by Imam Nawi. What does he say? Why were these categories mentioned? Or why all of these categories? The Imam Nawi tells us the reason why. Um, uh, and someone else goes on with more detail. He says, these are very, very, very difficult deaths. And through these deaths, Allah cleanses the person and elevates the person. The least that they could possibly get is being honored to be among the shuhada in the akhirah for this trauma. And of course, when you see what the scholars said there, of course something like cancer is going to be, it's one, it's, a, it's one of the most painful ways to die, especially considering the slow dying process of some of these cancers or the aggressive ones. And, and then not just that, the heart disease and the heart conditions and, uh, and, you know, and so on and so forth. Many of these are all going to fall under that definition of shahada. So this definition of shahada is very, very uh, vast. It would include... Uh, many, many different types, and these are just uh, some of them. Now, up to this point, this is everything relating to the shaheed, uh, and is everything relating to, relating to washing and shrouding. Now, we have the salah. Does anyone have any questions up until here? I'm going to take a pause before I go into salah. Go ahead. So um, if it's a full body wash, technically it could count as it, 
Uh, however, this usually, we, they usually never suffice with the hospital's wash anyway. The funeral home comes and takes it and uh, honors the person. Unless there's like some, like we had a special circumstance in COVID. And this was a question that we actually got. You know, what if you're unable to do uh, ghusl, uh, of the, ghusl of the mayyit because of uh, infectious disease? You're worried about infectious disease. And there was in the beginning of COVID, they were unsure about how this thing works and how it spreads and so on and so forth. So there was fatawa coming out from many fatwa houses that um, uh, that you can forego the washing if there is fear of spread of contagion. Um, but technically speaking, this is because the darura al quswa for the highest level of necessity because we didn't know what we were dealing with. But anyway, normally this wouldn't happen unless you're talking about COVID issues. Uh, and no normally the funeral home would take the body and then wash it thoroughly again and so on and so forth. And the reason, um, here's the thing, yeah, like technically, technically, if, if the body was washed by a non-Muslim, uh, if a Muslim's body was washed by a non-Muslim, would it count? The answer, it would count. However, you don't want that to be the Muslim's experience. You want the Muslim's experience, because this is like, it has so many sunan in it. Giving the Muslim the full right of getting the wash as they should be getting it uh, with the remembrance of Allah. If you've ever washed a body, it should be a time of great dhikr in the presence of the mayyit. Honoring the deceased with all of these different types of recommended acts uh, is something important to consider. But technically, if the hospital was to full do the full body wash, it's going to count. Uh, it, you know, uh, We would especially suffice with that in retrospect. Like say if we had a situation... Uh, where um, everything was already prepared and the family had no idea that they needed to do ghusl a certain way and we already buried him. Khalas, that's it. Forget about it. Just, 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 just accept it as it is. As long as you gave him the right of janazah, then that's fine. Right? In retrospect. So this, we're not going to exhume the body for a cause like that. Yeah. Make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what other, so, and the other thing is, so the, all of these are, you know, especially necessary to consider, and, you know, the, there's some real tragedies that happen in our community. Sometimes, some, you know, us as people who regularly come to the masjid cannot imagine that these types of things would happen. There are situations where Muslims are completely unaware of the community, completely detached You'll find situations where there's a Muslim who passes away and rots in his home for days before anyone even thinks to ask about this person. There's a lot of stories out there that are like this. That when the cops came into the house, they only came into the house because the smell of a dead corpse spread in the apartment building. It's, 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 it's crazy. It's, it's crazy to think that that would happen. There are Muslims in um, the morgues that are not uh, claimed by anybody. And sometimes if a certain, t if a certain t amount of time passes, the morgue is going to cremate these bodies. You know, the sin is going to be upon the whole Muslim community for not making sure that they checked on the needs of every Muslim. This is where you need someone, an organization, a project that fulfills a fadl kifaya. That make sure that no Muslim goes without having the right of burial. Yeah. Oh, anyone else have a question? Go ahead.
Yeah, if there's nothing to wash, astaghfirullah alazim, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Yani, what are you going to do? Like, um, uh, like the situations that are in Gaza, these uh, deplorable filth of the earth that are throwing missiles on children, and you see like hands and feet and, and uh, skulls uh, thrown all over the place. And it's not one body, it's who knows how many bodies. And you can't distinguish. And there's no like, you can't ex do testing. It's the middle of the war on Gaza. So what are you going to do? If there's nothing for you to wash, there's nothing for you to wash. What are you going to do? This also might happen like if someone dies in an airplane crash or someone's body gets lost at sea. You might never find a body to wash. So say if we have situations like that where we know for certain someone died, but we don't have a body to wash. The least that we're going to do is at least do Salat al-Janazah. At least do Salat al-Janazah. But uh, it's, it's unfortunate to even think of that. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, what do you mean? Uh, oh, just like I said to her, uh, there were fatawa that came out of a lot of fatwa councils. Uh, among them, the, the Tri-State Imam Council that Sheikh Qatanani and the other shiuch in the area are with, they issued a fatwa that if there's a fear of spreading the contagion, then we're going to forego uh, the ghusl. But after some time, they figured out a way uh, to make sure, like someone wear the hazmat suit, and then you know maybe perhaps wash from a distance. You don't need to rub to wash. But if someone was buried a certain way, then khalas. And we, uh, you know, people functioned the best that they could. There was a lot of people dying, right, during COVID. A lot of people dying. And it was a special circumstance that generations have not experienced this. It's been generations since they have experienced something like this. What are you going to do? Uh, in, uh, uh, in some countries, they, the, they had the, the bodies of the deceased piled up. They, they needed to bury them you know, as soon as possible because the, or else there's going to spread infections. And Same thing that's happening in Gaza. They don't have the water. May Allah's la'na descend upon those people who are killing the, the people of Gaza innocently. May Allah Azza wa punish these people, this army of Israel, a punishment like he punished Ad, Thamud, and Fir'aun. May Allah Azza wa send his swift punishment upon them. But this is the situation. In the hospitals in Gaza, they're so full of bodies, they don't have time. Well, what are you going to do? What do you, yani the people don't even have clean water to wash with. What do you want us to do, wash the deceased when they're dying at this with this level and this magnitude? So, if you can't do some of the ahkam, what are you going to do? They will put them in mass graves and, and pray upon them Salat al-Janazah collectively. That's fine. You could pray one janazah prayer on a group of deceased. You don't need to do one janazah for each person, by the way. You know, when uh, if you've ever gone to a Muslim country, you'll see this, like a uh, you know, I lived for years right next to Jam'i al-Azhar. Every single day, instead of one janazah, it would be two janazahs and three janazahs. If you ever go to Masjid Nabawi, you'll see the same case as well. Multiple janazahs for each salah, right? So uh, it doesn't need to be, um, it doesn't need to be one janazah uh, per person. Uh, some, just a side note. Any other questions before we go into, yeah.
we, we could possibly consider them shuhada al-akhirah. Um, but, uh, so we're still going to do everything normally, like we do for the normal deceased. But inshallah, because they were tortured to death and because they were wrongfully killed, you know, because if someone, مثلاً, من قاتل دون ماله Even if someone's at home, and someone, a burglar, comes in and kills him, and he defends himself or his family, then this person, what? Is a shaheed. It's a, it's a form of shahada. Someone's working in their business, especially this happens, so many stories like this in our country. Uh, Muslim business owner, uh, then someone comes, walks in and, and shoots them. This person's a shaheed. So imagine that, someone who's man qutila vulman fi sujoon. Of course, inshallah, shaheed al akhirah. But we're still going to wash him like we normally wash everyone else, inshallah. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes. No, uh, how could it be a bad sign? Like, you know, sometimes it's, it, you know, it's part of the trial. The, you know, uh, sometimes someone might be stuck in a burning building and their body would be charred to death. There would be nothing left. You know, how could it be a them against them? Lost at sea or something? Oh, um, you know, this is part of alam al-ghayb. I want, you know, people should be very, very careful. Whenever we're speaking about the realm of the unseen, we should never speak with jazm. Like even when we say, fulan shaheed, what's the intention? The Inshallah, he's a shaheed. I don't know if this person was accepted or not. I don't know. But shaheed is, uh, is um, khabar yurad bihil insha'. This is a, you know, some people, they have a very strange take on things. They're very literal. Right? So they say, oh, no, no, don't say shaheed. Say shaheed insha'Allah. But shaheed as an expression in Arabic means insha'Allah already. Because of course I know when I say shaheed, I'm not saying jazman. I don't know what this person's status is by Allah. So the meaning is already there. I don't know what's in alam al-ghayb. So I'm leaving this to Allah. So I don't need to like be so literal in my wording. I don't need to say bi'ithnillah or insha'Allah because this is already understood as part of the wording, right? So, 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 but, but again, this is all from alam al-ghayb. Can I say that this this might be a test? It might be a test for some people. You know, fulan appears that they didn't have a good death, right? Um, can I say bad things about this? No, no, no. The Prophet said, When it comes to the deceased who passes away, shut your mouth on the bad things they did. May Allah forgive us. May Allah forgive and protect us. Because it's a fitna. You might choose to start backbiting the deceased and you never know what might happen to you because of this, right? So, There was a situation that, I, you know, it's the only time I ever experienced that. I'm sure there's other stories that are like that. But it's the only time I ever experienced that. Where someone had passed away, this person was married to um, a non-Muslim, and his children were all non-Muslims. And he had no community, had no connection with the community. His children uh, knew their father was a Muslim, so they wanted him to get whatever right he's supposed to get as a Muslim. So they called the masjid, and they said, can you send an imam to do whatever you Muslims do? So uh, it happened to be that I, I, I was available on that day. So I went and um, I went to the, 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 the graveyard 
and I performed the janazah on him all by myself because they didn't want to bring him to the masjid. They didn't want to bring him to the masjid. They said, if there's something you do for Muslims, then come do it in the graveyard. I prayed on him the janazah all by myself, and his children were behind me just looking at what I'm doing. And they're not Muslims, so they have no idea. You know, now, of course, you know, I pray that Allah Azza wa Jal has mercy and lutf and karam on this person. Maybe you never know. You never know what the circumstance was. On the outside, it looks oh, something that's not good. This person's own children are, are, are disbelievers. Uh, and this person's leaving this dunya with no one to make dua for him, right? So it's sad, but you, you can't say. You can't say. Leave it to Allah. Wallahu alam. Uh, any other uh, questions before we go to the janazah? Yes. Uh, no, the, 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 it's, it's their right, it's because it's min ikram al mayyit. It's part of honoring the deceased. It's, uh, it's, this is something that Allah Azza wa has ordered us uh, to do. وَلَقَدْ كَرَمْنَا بَنِي آدَمِ We've honored the sons of Adam, right? And part of this takreem is in life and part of it's also in death, right? So it's their right not because of hasanat, but it's because it's part of honoring the mayyit. This body, even though the deceased is still not in it like that, like he was in the dunya, still has a right. That's why part of honoring the deceased is to hasten to bury him. Right? Um, and then also when you go to the graveyard, you should not step on the graves. Right? Even though that's the body, the soul is not necessarily going to get... Uh, this, but still... Part of honoring the mayyit is honoring the body of the mayyit. That's what it is. All right, let's, let's, because we don't have much time left, let's see what we could go over in terms of um, uh, Salat al Janazah and then the Defen, and then we'll be done, inshallah. So just a little bit more time, bidnillah. All right. All right. So now, Salat al Janazah, it's required for every Muslim. Is a certain number required? No. Even if one person did it, this is enough. And the only exception would be the special type of shaheed we went over and also a siqt. Now, uh, uh, now the, there's a difference of opinion. Do you do janazah prayers on a miscarriage or a stillborn or not? So one opinion says that, and this is the opinion of the majority as far as I can recall, is the shart of these hukuk being there, the condition is, and yastahilla sarikhan. This child has to be born healthy in order for janazah to be due. In order for janazah to be due. However, there's another opinion. The Hanbali school says no. The Hanbali school says no. If the miscarriage was to happen after nafkh ruh and after this body, so now this... Um, uh, this, this body has begun to take human form and after insolment, after the four-month period, after the four-month period, then in this case, according to the Hanbali school, it would be uh, necessary to do Salat al-Janazah for this person. Now, of course, about the burial, you would have to bury. Now, you have to, of course, you would have to bury the miscarriage if possible, if possible. Now, of course, if it's after a certain point, there's nothing for you to, if it's at a certain point, there's nothing for you to bury. 
And if, it's, if the miscarriage, if it's a DNC happening in the hospital, and you guys know how the DNC happens, there's nothing for you to take. There's nothing for you to take. Tamam? But if there's something to bury, then you must bury it. If there's something to bury, then you must bury it. If possible. All right. Now, of course, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, of course, in these types of situations and what we do in our masjid here, in our masjid in Patterson, the janazah prayers are prayed in Patterson, we follow the Hanbali school out of precaution. Because now we're between two opinions. One opinion says don't do Salat al-Janazah. The other one says do it. Right? So which one are we going to follow? We're going to follow the one that says do it out of precaution. Uh, so so we do, we've done it multiple times. Um, the unborn child, um, the sikh, the miscarriage. But again, it needs to be a progressed pregnancy. It's not going to be in the first few weeks. Uh, it's going to be something that is, um, uh, you know, well past the first trimester. Right, the, the, the first trimester uh, would be the first 12 weeks. Or we're talking about something that's, um, you know, after the four-month period, after the four-month period, and clearly the signs of life were there, then in that case, that's when we'll, we're going to do uh, Salat al-Janazah on the Sikht, on the miscarriage. All right. Um, now, what are the conditions... For Salat al-Janazah. So what time can you do Salat al-Janazah? Um, you can do it anytime. Tajuz Salat al-Mayyit fi kulli al-awqat. You could do Salat al-Janazah anytime. Even in the times where prayer is prohibited. وَلَا تُكْرَهُ فِي أَوْقَاتِ النَّهِي لِأَنَّهَا صَلَاةٌ ذَاتُ Alright, now, but of course, if we can avoid those times, we should. If we can avoid those times... Um, uh, uh, so, and there's a hadith, there's this hadith, it, it's, it's recommended to hasten the burial of the deceased. Look at this hadith. There are three hours that the Prophet ﷺ prohibited us from praying in. And that we bury our deceased in them. Uh, now, this nahi is not litahreem. Uh, and again, it's not, uh, uh, even, even there's no karaha here. The only karaha, it would only be makruh if you seek those times, right? So what are these three hours that the Prophet ﷺ encouraged us to avoid? Um, is the, the high noon, um, and then uh, the sunrise and sunset, right? Uh, and, and janazah prayers should not be delayed. We should hasten to perform it as soon as possible. What if... Someone from the deceased's family needs a few days to get here. In this case, the best thing would be to hasten. If you truly want to honor the deceased, then hasten the burial. If it's a little bit of time, like a day or part of a day, then fine. However, uh, he says here, وَلَا تُؤَخَّرُ الْجَنَازَ لِزِيَادَةِ مُصَلِّينَ أو لِلصَّلَاةِ عَلَيْهِ مَرَّةً أُخْرَى بَلْ يُصَلُّونَ عَلَى الْقَبْرِ If someone, say if someone uh, comes late to their mother or father or family member's janazah. Can they perform the janazah by themselves on the grave? Yes, that's no problem. You could perform the janazah later on when you get to uh, the grave. But of course, w when you pray by the grave, Salat al-Janazah, you're going to face the Qibla. You, you don't face the, the Qabr. You don't face the Qabr. Uh, you face the Qibla uh, when you do Salat al-Janazah. Right? 
and you can put the the grave between you and the and the qibla that's fine right all right makanuha where is janaza to be done tajuz salah al mayyit fil musalla wa yajuz fi'luha fil masjid wa fi ghayrihi wa tustahabbu fil masjid li ijtima' al nas you could do the janaza in the masjid there's no problem if we're going to do it inside the masjid is there a problem no no there's no problem at all uh, because the hadith of the prophet sallallahu says that the prophet sallallahu prayed salla ala um, Suhail ibn Bayda fil masjid. The Prophet performed Janazah prayers in the masjid. <coughs> um, now, here, Salat al Janazah has certain arkan. Very, very straightforward. Very straightforward. It's very easy to do Salat al Janazah. First one is the intention. You could say, I pray janazah on whoever is in attendance from those who have passed away or upon this deceased. You don't need to specify a name. You don't need to specify a gender. These are things that are not required. The intention, of course, is in your heart. Um, so that's the first requirement, is the intention. Now, there are certain etiquettes when we do Salat al-Janazah. If it is a male, the sunnah is... To stand, first off, we put the janazah uh, sideways, facing uh, the qibla, right? So this is, this is um, if this is the direction of the qibla, we're going to put the head on this side towards the right, and the feet towards this direction. And if it's a male, the imam stands by the head. If it's a female, the imam stands by the center. These are etiquettes, they're not requirements, they're adab, and they're sunan for salat al-janazah. Then, after that, what do you do? There are four takbirat that you do for Salat al-Janazah. Arba' takbirat. Um, and in these four takbirat, what do you do? The first one, you say al-Fatiha, right? And then, the second one, you say as-Salat al-Ibrahimiyah, the Abrahamic prayer. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ala Muhammad kama salli ala Ibrahim wa ala ala Ibrahim until the end of the... This dua, it's, it's not, this is not part of tashahud. Some people confuse. There's tashahud and then salah al-Ibrahimiyyah. Two separate things. So you say as salah al-Ibrahimiyyah in the second takbirah. The third takbirah, you're going to make dua for the deceased. And there's a long dua that's ma'thur and in the sunnah that you could say, Allahumma fillahu warhamhu wa'afihi wa'fu anhu. If you can memorize this dua, it's better. It's better to say this dua if possible. The fourth you would do general dua for all of the Muslims, those who are living, those who have passed away, and you'd ask Allah for the ajr of this janazah. Allahumma la tahrimna ajra wa la taftinna ba'da wa lana wa Oh Allah, don't deny us his reward and do not test us after him and forgive us in him. Right? These are four takbirat. Alright, so four takbirat is the next pillar. The third pillar is qiyam al-qiyam ala al-qadir. You need to stand in janazah. That's all you do, stand. For someone who's capable, then they must stand. Right? Um, uh, and then the, the first, the, the next rukun is qiraat al-fatiha. That's what you do in the first, first takbirah, is qiraat al-fatiha. And, um, and then the fifth one is salat al-ibrahimiyyah. The sixth one is a dua lil-mayyit. Um, and they say that you should make it with ikhlas. Uh, and you should make it specific for him. You should not make general dua. Um, and uh, and وَكَذَلِكَ الدُّعَاءَ لِأَبَوَيَ الطِّفِلِ If you're praying on a child, then you should make dua for the parents of the child. 
uh, if, the, if the one who passed away is a child, because the one who passed away is a child is not going to go, uh, it's not going to be tested in the grave, not going to be punished in the grave, doesn't have the potential of going to Jahannam. No, the, the Muslim child who passed away is going to go to Jannah. Uh, so that's why we make dua uh, that Allah gives the parents patience and that, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts from the parents um, and so on and so forth. Now, in Salat al-Janazah, according to the Shafi'i school, this is what we do. The Imam is going to say the four takbirat out loud, and he's going to raise his hands. The followers, should they say takbirat out loud? No. In the Shafi'i school, you should not say takbirat out loud as a follower. And this is some, a common mistake that many people don't know. So, uh, the, you know, in Salat al-Eid, we say the takbirat out loud. In Salat al-Janazah, you say takbir to yourself. You don't say it out loud. But in the Shafi'i school, should you raise your hand after each, with each takbir? In the Shafi'i school, yeah. And there's slight differences between each madhab on these issues. It's okay. It's not a big deal. Uh, so each, each takbir, you'd raise your hand. Each takbir, you'd raise your hand. This is for the imam and the ma'mum. The, the leader and the follower uh, should do all of this. And this should be... Um, Sufficient, but again, at takbiru sirran, you say Allahu Akbar silently uh, to yourself. And then um, the last of these arkan, the last of these arkan is going to be uh, as salam uh, after that, as salam al awwal. Just like in normal salah, the first salam is a rukun, the second one is sunnah. Same thing with salat al janazah. Right? Uh, now, who, again, other things that they mention in salat al janazah is um, these are etiquettes. Uh, we follow this order in who's most deserving of praying upon him. A lot of people defer to the imam because they might not have knowledge. If the person has knowledge, then they should lead uh, because they're the ones who are going to make most sincere dua for their loved one, right? So if they have knowledge, they should lead. Otherwise, they can always defer to the imam if the imam would know how to do it better. Alright, um, and they say that um, it, there's no dua istiftah uh, in uh, Salat al-Janazah. Like in the normal player, prayers, you don't do dua istiftah. What if uh, someone passes away in another country? Um, uh, so, as-salat al-ghaib, uh, the absentee janazah prayer. What's the ruling on it? There's a difference of opinion about this. There's a difference of opinion about this. Alright, so here so here they say that of course the absentee prayer is for someone who's coming from outside of the town. They're not from the town, or they're praying outside of the town. Right? The people if, if we've already performed janazah on like say for example, if we have a janazah prayer in Patterson Masjid. Can we do absentee prayer in Clifton Masjid? No, because it's all one town, one locality. So if you want the janazah prayer, you go to the Patterson Masjid. You're not going to go to the Clifton Masjid to do Salat al-Janazah. Um, and now here, there's a difference of... Why is there a difference of opinion? So there is there any record of Salat al-Ghaib? Salat al-Ghaib, they say that this happened with al-Najashi. Al-Najashi was um, the negus. He was the king of Abyssinia. They say that he became Muslim, and when he passed away, the Prophet ﷺ in Medina performed Salat al-Janazah upon him, um, uh, because no one was there to do Janazah upon him in his country. So, so now this gets a little tricky, though, because there's a difference of some scholars. Some they say that the only time that you could do this prayer is if 
No one preyed on this person who passed away in that person's country. Or else what? We'd be doing Salat al-Janazah every time of the day and every single Salat because oh, someone in uh, Al-Urdun passed away or someone in Masr passed away or someone in Pakistan passed away or someone in India, my cousin here, my uncle there, uh, you know, it, it, would, it would be endless. It would be endless if we're going to do absentee prayers that loosely. Some scholars, they don't have the concept of absentee prayers. They say, this was من خصائص النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم. Some of them say this was exclusive to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. We don't do absentee prayers otherwise. But the Shafi'i school, it does it. But I would only limit it to someone who didn't actually get janazah prayers in their country. Then maybe that would be an exception. Wallahu uh, alam. That's pretty much the things relating to janazah prayers. You have a question? Sorry, what did you say again? There's people that are in there. They, they're not doing absentee prayers. They're doing it for people who are there. Uh, the, the ones in Masjid Nabawi, they actually wash the bodies there and they you might not see them because they're in a special room and then they immediately take them out to Al-Baqi'ah. But they're not doing absentee prayer there, prayers there. Yeah, they're not doing absentee prayers. Any other question? Yeah. You can, if, if you can. Uh, now, but here, in our, in our country, you can't because the, the graveyard is closed. <laughs> you know, no one's going to open it for you at 3 a.m. <laughs> uh, and then in some other Muslim countries, it would be highly difficult, مثلاً, because it's extremely dark, مثلاً, and they're not going to be able to do an efficient job or something like that. Uh, so due to like, difficulty, if it's possible, there's nothing to stop it. You know, if it's possible... There's nothing to stop it. But if, if it's very difficult to fulfill that, then it's okay to delay it until it's possible to fulfill it. As long as it's within reason. Yeah. The, the other thing that they go over in the books is, can you transfer the deceased from one country to another? Uh, there is a difference of opinion about this. Some scholars, they say, if you're moving the deceased from a land of disbelief to a land of belief, or from a land of that's not known for ta'a to a better place, then they say this is okay. Uh, other scholars, they say no, uh, it should be, you should hasten to bury the body wherever it passed away. And you should not move it to any other location. So, um, you know, there is this consideration, there is this two, there's these two opinions. The difficulty about um, uh, uh, um, the, the, the moving, transferring the deceased is they're going to need to do embalming uh, in order for, to allow you to ship it or to, to send it to another country. And then it's gonna, uh, you know, they're going to put certain mawad and chemicals inside the body to preserve the body. They're not going to allow you to do it otherwise. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, so again, it's a lot to think about. It should be a really, really good reason if you're going to move it to another country. And, um, uh, you know... Uh, if, if there's no good reason, then the general rule of thumb is to bury in the closest area of khalas. Um, and inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept this person and, um, and give them from his rahmah and his khair and his barakah. Right. Now, um, is there any other question here? Any other question? 
if it's a request from the deceased, then it's going to be contingent upon the approval of the heirs of the estate. If they're going to need to pay for it from their pockets because it's expensive, they're not obliged to do that. If it's going to need to come from the estate, then it needs their approval to, because this is an extra expense, right? So even if they request it, it's not a necessary thing to follow, necessarily. Wallahu alam. Any other questions? Yes. What is it? That's what she just asked. Um, so, if this is part of his wasiyah, then this is going to be uh, dependent on the waratha. No, they're not. And especially if khilaf. So, it, you know, if the, the advisors, like مثلاً, the mayat, he, you know, he wanted certain things. Because whatever, he wanted to be back in Palestine or in whatever, يعني, uh, he had this. But if the advisors for the family and the family, they're not comfortable with following this fiqhi opinion, this is not a necessary wasiyah to follow. If they want to follow it, they can. Alhamdulillah, that's good. يعني. But there's no ilzam here. There's no like wujub that they have to do this. Wallahu alam. Yeah, anyone else had their hand up? Anyone else had their hand up? All right. The rest of the stuff, what? Uh, the rest of the stuff is relating to dafn um, and burial. Uh, it's pretty much very like straightforward. Uh, you could read it on your own. I don't think I need to spend much more time. I know we went over the time now. It's about an hour and 20 minutes. So what we'll do here is we're going to stop here. And inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept the, this. Uh, at least we finished Salat al-Janazah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept this effort from us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it sincerely from him. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it a proof for us on the day of judgment, not against us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala benefit us with this ilm. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us husn al-khatima and end our lives upon iman. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give, uh, give us li long lives in his ta'a. Allahumma atul a'marana fi ta'atik. Allahumma atul a'marana fi ta'atik. اللهم أطل أعمارنا في طاعتك اللهم اختم لنا بخير أجمعين وألحقنا بالصالحين واجعلنا من ورثة جناتك جنات النعيم يا أرحم الراحمين آمين آمين وأخذنا الحمد لله بالعالمين إن شاء الله next week like I said we're gonna do fiqh fasting um, in this same time جزاكم الله خير السلام عليكم ورحمة الله